Welcome to episode number 15 of The Space In Between, and today you are going to meet my teachers, Elizabeth Andes Bell and Bruce Bell. They have been my teachers for many years, and we'll share a little bit of that story in a little bit when they come on here. Um, But yeah, they have a new studio up in Phoenicia, New York, so you'll get to hear about that, their journey there, and maybe you can even go see them. Um, What else is happening here in Nomadland is lots of great stuff in February. I'm wrapping up one of the teacher trainings at Riverstone, and then we have another one happening still at West Point throughout this winter and spring, but we're wondering if you are interested in possibly being a part of our next teacher training. So shoot me an email. You can email me at phoebe at nomadalwaysatom.com and let me know if you're interested in the 200 or 300 hour we're looking at the calendar for the rest of this year now. So um, we can get you more information. If you're interested, shoot me an email at phoebe at nomadalwaysatom.com. And what's happening this month um, for you to participate in is my new movement class. I did a little talk on Movement 109 last week in episode 14, if you want to learn about a little bit of that story. But we have a class coming up this Friday, February 8th at Beacon Yoga in Beacon. And a couple more this month, February 14th and 21st. Those are Thursdays at Bar, Body, and Soul at 5.30. And I'm going to over to Namastasis in Fishkill, Becca's uh, studio. That's on February 22nd. On That's a Friday at 6 p.m. So I hope to see you there soon. And, um, and then I go to Costa Rica, but that's sold out. So too bad. We'll be announcing new, um, new retreats coming up soon, but for now, let's go ahead and talk to Elizabeth and Bruce. Enjoy. Hi friends. So, uh, this is Phoebe again. And we have today, um, have the honor to have two people here today, uh, Elizabeth, who is uh, my very first teacher um, in the world of yoga, and Bruce, who is also a teacher of mine for many, many years. Um, They've been a part of my life, I think, what, for 15 years or so? Yes, Um, at least. It feels like at least. (laughs) At least, and probably lifetimes prior. (laughs) Uh, But so, and I, you know, just a little background on how we're connected is I I taught Pilates back in the early 2000s at their studios in uh, New York City on the Upper West Side. And um, I was not a yogi at the time. And I thought, well, I'm teaching Pilates at this place. I should definitely take yoga and try this thing out. And you were my first real teacher. I had tried it several times before and it just wasn't really connecting to me. And, and then, I don't know, you spoke a language that um, really touched me and, and got into my body and my soul and woke me up in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's just been such a great journey um, learning from you both and, um, and also watching you both evolve especially you, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like I would just to hear, hear a little bit more about your story and how you got to where you are now. So okay. let's dive in. Let's dive <laughs> in. Well, first, I just want to say uh, it's really thrilling that you're interviewing us and watching you evolve. Our friendship over the years has continued to ripen and deepen and... It's just such a joy to watch you and be able to follow you on your journey. Thank you. Yeah, you've definitely guided me a lot through. Your voice comes in at those moments where I'm like, where the hell do I go? <laughs> and then I hear your voice somehow. Um, so you've been a guiding light for me for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, so what do you want to know? Well, you know, you guys are in a really interesting space. We're actually physically in this space, this new space in Phoenicia. 
Uh, and I know, I know the story a little bit, but I, you know, you shared a little bit with me, um, through an email the other day of like really what was going on. And I had no idea, you know, I knew a little bit of this transformation that was happening. Um, I guess it's been starting since 2015, Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of deconstruction. So I'm really interested to learn more about your deconstruction and kind of how you, you know, we're, we're sharing, you know, the spaces in between. And, and I've talked about this in other podcasts of being in these places of deconstruction or kind of at our rock bottom moments or just a place of like uh, that nebulous space of just like, where are we? (laughs) Where am I going from here? And I would just, I'm really curious to know, you know, where that was and what that looked like and how it felt for you and, and how it brought you to where you are today in this space that we're sitting in together. Okay. So I actually have to go back to before 2015. Yes, too, please. Um, because Bruce and I were taking a, a series of uh, trainings with Jean Houston. Okay. And one of the things that I remember she said, she started off the weekend by saying, raise your hand if you're one of these people whose lives have fallen apart. <laughs> and just about everybody raised their hand. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of a little bit raising my hand, but mm. not quite sure. Uh, And then she said, well, welcome to the club if you have, (laughs) because it's sort of your entrance fee Mm. for your transformation in these times. Do you remember when she said that, Bruce? No. (laughs) (laughs) And when was this again? Sorry. Maybe 2013? Okay. 2014, yeah. Yeah, that was a year. Yeah, that was a year. That was a year for me, at least. (laughs) It was a year for us, too. Yeah. It really was. I mean, I could say that probably a lot of things started to... uh, Unpleasant surprises came up Mm -hmm. for us that year. Um, But without going into all of these little details, what really happened was that we had had yoga and fitness centers for many years uh, in on the Upper West Side and in other parts, Brooklyn and Lower Manhattan. And we had a really good run. And uh, like many other New York City businesses, um, the rents kept going up and up and the 2008 economic collapse Mm -hmm. really hurt us. I don't think we ever completely recovered from that. Mm -hmm. And... We expenses just were uh, well. You could probably speak a little bit more to this. That it was really difficult to manage it all. Yeah. Did you want to say anything at this? Yeah. Point? Well, competition too, because yeah. yoga. Yoga. We were one of the first yoga centers in New York City, certainly on yeah. the Upper West Side, that was running into a, a more modernized yoga. Yeah. And then now there's one every you know every block. There's another yoga center. Yeah. Every little town. Now we have two here. <laughs> yeah, I Population actually... Population 300. Yeah, I remember that. I, mean, I remember I was one of the first teachers at Namaste and how it was a little tiny studio, you know, for our community, but then across the street, what was it, Equinox? And, like, all these other ones were popping up. Pure right yoga. Yeah. Pure yoga, yoga. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> yes, corporate yoga came yeah, in big time. It did. Yeah. 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 So that happened. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of, this is a New York City story, a lot of mom and pop stores. Mm-hmm. That's basically, we were one of the last mom and pop fitness clubs mm-hmm. in Manhattan. And we lasted for a really long time. But part of it was because we were at 106th and Broadway and gentrification took longer to get up there. Yeah. It's well but beyond there now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and what we tried to do was sell the, the businesses, but that was a very long process, Mm -hmm. very grueling. Um, Bruce stuck it out, uh, for 18 months trying to create the right circumstances for the buyer to buy. We had to make sure the lease was renewed. Mm -hmm. Um, and we really needed to make sure that there would be a studio that uh, and a fitness club continuity for all of the people who 
had bought memberships. Yeah. And we Bruce felt a great deal of responsibility toward all of the employees. He didn't want yeah. to just close the doors when it got too expensive yeah. for us. So he pursued this for about 18 months and finally succeeded. But we recognized that uh, it cost us a lot of money to stay that long and do that. And we couldn't afford to continue living where we were living. Mm -hmm. So we had to we had to move where the taxes were cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, and fortunately, we had an old property in the Catskills that was a vacation place, but it was an old church, as you know, uninhabitable. Bruce came in and renovated the whole thing. But there was a moment in 2015 where we'd already decided that we were going to sell the businesses, but we were hitting so many obstacles that they there was sort of this uh, opportunity to come in and just say, okay, well, we'll... We'll get an apartment in the city. We'll run the businesses ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we said, no, yeah. we're not doing, we're not going back to that. That way of life is not what we want. What we longed to teach, we couldn't really teach because when you're paying yeah. 40000 a month in rent, you've got to make sure that you teach what's going to pack the most people into class, yeah. <laughs> you know, an experimental transformational somatic work yeah. wasn't what was packing people in at that time. Yeah. So we just looked at each other. Our, I mentioned to you in the, in the notes that I sent you, we were here. It was the end of September. Our little dog, Lucy, mm. who was fine the day before, woke up that morning and was sick. And we took her to the vet, and she died in my arms that afternoon. And... We realized when we buried her in our cemetery, in our country church graveyard, that this was, this was a moment of reckoning for us. And we said, you know, Lucy's here. Yeah. And we're just going to burn the ships mm -hmm. and do whatever it takes to create the life that, that is in alignment with what our souls were calling us to do. Yeah. And I... I love the fact that you guys bought this church how many years ago? 26, 7? No, 20, 28, 28, because we yeah. bought it before our daughter was oh, born. Well, we've been here now for a, a couple, two years, so yeah. back then it was... We bought it in 1990. Yeah. yeah, so there was this seed being planted that many years ago to call you to this place uh, now. We were gonna, oh, yes. Should we get rid of it? Yeah. It's in disrepair. What do we do now? There were times we didn't even come up here for like two two or three years that didn't even come up. It was yeah. two hours away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, because it was, it was kind of sad. But. It was moldy and cold and... But the burn, burn the ships is, yeah. is quite a statement to make because there is no return. Yeah. Not the way you came, certainly. And that's a profound moment to really, to really take in. Yeah. I don't want to do that, and I'm not going to do that. Was there a moment for you, or was it just a build-up to that moment of here well, we are? Well, there had been the building up, but it was the declarative statement. Yeah. Burn the ships. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And that was with Lucy? You that think was a, that was uh, the moment? She was a contributing factor to it. Yeah. You know, there, your heart is cracked wide open with grief. Yeah. And, and you're looking at, you know, well, what, do, what shards of my life can I resurrect here? What, what's really important to me? And that's really what happened. Uh, we threw a lot away. Mm -hmm. but we kept all the things that were important, all the vital connections that we had to this area. My original healing teacher, Barbara Brennan, mm -hmm. uh, received all of the whole download of her healing work here in the Catskills in Phoenicia. She mm -hmm. was at the Pathwork Center. And that's what originally draw, drew us to this area. Oh, okay. Sri Aurobindo uh, and the mother who have been very influential spiritual teachers to us for years and years. Well, there's a center here, uh, Matagiri, that the mother picked out. It's a center for the study of their work. Mm. Uh, 
then later on after we rented out this studio space, our future studio, we discovered that the Pathwork Center used to have their offices here. Oh, wow. So there's so many. Been calling, it's been calling to you. It's been calling yeah. us for years. Yeah. And do you mind if you, can I ask you a little bit about your stepmom? Because I know she was in the mix of all of this kind of deconstruction yeah. and loss. So, so what ha go in January 2015, if I can yeah. just pick up that thread. Yeah. She, I was in Nantucket. Mm. Uh, I went up there for a sabbatical to start writing my book and be with my daughter who was working up there and really lonely, didn't, mm. miserable and a terrible job. So it, we, we were hit by this monster blizzard called Juno, the blizzard. <laughs> okay. Where uh, I saw on uh, weather maps afterwards that it had actually been like a vortex around Nantucket. Wow. It, it was ground zero. And wow. we were not in a place that was really winterized. Oh. We had no snow shovels. Oh, my gosh. I, ha I was there feeding this woman's chickens, and <laughs> I couldn't get to the coop. The snow oh. was so high. Yeah. I had to shovel all day to feed. Wow. It was crazy. And go How many feet did you guys get? I don't even remember. I mean, I, <laughs> I remember going out in the middle of the night to make sure that the, the vent for the stove, which was our only source of heat, oh wasn't drifted over with snow because I was afraid we yeah. would, um, you know, we would suffocate. Yeah. Um, but all I can say is we got a, a, an obscene amount of snow. Yeah. And the waves actually froze. There were oh, pictures wow. of these like slurpy waves on the beach. Wow. It was beyond belief. So you're really faced with the elements anyway in Nantucket, which was mm -hmm. invigorating and beautiful. And, and, and then there was this. Yeah. It was pretty, it was a pretty amazing thing. So at that, there were a couple of days there where we were actually three days where we were in just survival mode. We couldn't think about anything. And in the middle of that, I got two phone calls. So I, I still luckily had phone. Yeah. Actually, I, I think maybe I had electricity on the third day and got the phones okay. back. And one call was from Bruce who said, listen, the business is are going under. Mm. And I'd known that for years he'd been working to save them, but we just couldn't make ends meet anymore. So he said, get ready, we have to make some big changes. Mm. And then I got this call that my stepmother had been admitted to the hospital. Mm. I didn't know she hadn't been sick and she had a very short time to live and they were putting her in, ho in a hospice. Um, and She's been my stepmother since I was nine years old. So she, and my mother died many, many years ago. Okay. So she's been like a mother to me. Yeah. She was the last person, the last tie to my relatives, my life in Philadelphia. Mm. My family had been in Philadelphia for just so many generations. And one by one, everybody had died. Yeah. And she was the last one there. Wow. So with her death came also the end of this whole part of my childhood. Both yeah. my parents were gone. Everybody that I had known in Philadelphia yeah. was gone. So you could really feel that life was changing. There was yeah. a whole turning of the wheel taking place. Yeah. You know, the cogs, sometimes you can just hear them... Clicking yeah. into place. Yeah. You know, and there you are. And yeah. so what are you going to do? Yeah. And I mean, just to go back to the comment of burning, you know, the ships of like, it was happening to you, right? And a lot of these things were happening to you. And, and I don't know, I think it's very admirable. I mean, you could have very well, like you said, go back to the city and do what you knew and save this business and, you know, 
put aside, okay, we put Lucy down, okay, my stepmother put down, but, but you really did, you made this really conscious, courageous decision together of, okay, it's a completely new life now. Yes. Yeah. Do you know burn the ships where that phrase comes from? What? I, I'm trying to remember the Greek hero or the, there's some, it's some mythical story. Okay. I think it has historical truth, yeah. though. I think that has, sure. it has that. But anyway, he was invading this army. He sailed, whoever this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who it was? He, he, was, he was sailing to, with his warships mm-hmm. to invade this army. The, it was really stacked against him. They were way out, the soldiers were way outnumbered mm-hmm. um, by the army that they were going to do battle with. Mm-hmm. And they landed on the beach and he turned and gave this order, burn the ships. Mm. Meaning, if you die, you die here. Yeah. But you ha- there's no turning back. You got to fight. And you, he took away the escape route. He took away wow. get an apartment yeah. and go back and run the business. <laughs> yeah. I had that moment, too, in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting though because you both seem to f- I mean, you're so grounded in it now. I don't know what it looked like for you then, but um it sounds like there was no other choice. And there is though. That's what's really interesting is that there is a choice and that you both were able to courageously say to get together collectively with your family as well, right? Your two, two children too, in a mm-hmm. way, you know, um, it, we have to do this, you know, burn well, the ships. And it became a soul choice. Yeah. I, we did other things to acclimate, but there was always this creative spark moving through us mm-hmm. and where we started as choreographers and dancers and artists yeah. and then had kids and managed to, you know, create businesses and, and did that part. So we're they're at a juncture of getting older. You know, they're at least out of the house in college and so forth. Yeah. But it was really like, I've always wanted to do this. I mean, we've always been doing it, but not the direct route. Yeah. They're, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, uh, let's explore it this way. We've, let's explore it through healing school. Let's explore it through yoga center. But there was this, always this force moving through us about movement, somatics, awareness, the body, yeah. evolution. And it was time. Yeah. You know, to just, it's the direct route, the direct path. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel that I was reading your notes and I felt like my my own timeline was very much in alignment with your timeline too. So there is something collectively happening here yes. of, of awakening. Because I too, you know, have shared in, in other um, previous episodes here of having the dance background and having that spark within me. And I mean, uh, somebody said to me the other day of, you know, letting go of looking back at your past so that your future self can call to you. And I love that because I realized, and it sounds like for you too, just, you know, the, the image of your buying this church, you know, 20 something years ago and that, you know, look at that, that is a physical thing, right? Um, how it was calling you here and having your teachers here and calling you here and mm-hmm. having that divine spark within you. And yes, life kind of layers on top of us, right? Traumas or just life stuff and how there's something very like, um, this very intense moment or moments that build up to it of kind of your future self calling to you. Yes. And you said something earlier about yeah. things happening to you. Yeah. And, and I think that it, it, it's a choice. Yeah. That things, you can look at things happening to you. You can look at things happening through you. Mm. And, and uh, I had to make sure I wasn't looking things happening to me through the eyes of a victim. Oh yeah. Because there would there was the tendency for me to go there. Yeah. And so the more I could get in touch with no, this is a, this is a calling in my soul to really actualize and and myself in a way that has been a voice inside me that I have not put front and center yet. Yeah. Because I kept letting other things take precedent. 
Yeah. You know, thanks for clarifying that because I, I agree with that. So, I mean, that speaks to me as well, because I think the things that, um, I was going through for, you know, most of my life, I was seeing it as the victim of Mm -hmm. this is happening to me. And, um, you know, this person did this to me and da, da, da. And I actually, the letter that I shared in the first podcast was a lot about like letting go of the blame of others doing things, you know, and that was a huge moment for me too to realize, okay, this is happening. I was thinking for me rather than through me, but I really love that image that you just said is it's happening through me. Um, because it is, it is a, it's an absolute choice. And I think a lot of us do look at it as it's happening to me. And this is a choice of just, this is the cards I'm dealt with, right? Yes. And that's how I see this being very courageous for you both to see it as a choice to say, okay, it's happening through me, as you say. Yeah. Because when it's moving, happening for you, yeah, it, I like that yeah. because it is happening for you as an opportunity. Yeah. But when it happens through you, yeah. then you get to be an agent of change. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not about you it's, anymore. And it's not about yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I you love that. that. You I'm, that. I'm taking yeah. that nugget. Take that nugget. <laughs> the through. And isn't that amazing? Just words, just that little ch- change of two through four, you know, how that has such a different impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes you part of a bigger picture. Yeah. That you don't have to hold all the cards for. Yeah. And it, then your attitude also about receiving your knowledge and insights is no longer yours either, right? And, and that means it also can be shared with others because it's out mm-hmm. in the field. You're just there to help uh, uh, put a little light on it, Yeah. right? Yeah. And then you don't have all the onus of trying to protect it, Yeah. trying to qu- quantify it, qualify it. Because it's it's now becoming when it begins to move through you and through others too, then we're just naming experiences and building upon that depth of realization. Yeah, mm-hmm. so true. I love it. <laughs> well, it's a huge move. It, it is. is. It's it like is burning huge... the ships. Move. Yeah, it yeah. is. Right. You know, because because it really starts changing. This is important. This really starts changing your perspective. Uh, your what you see, mm-hmm. what you hear, because it's all out you. there anyway. It's always happening, always happening, always going on. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you're looking from a different place, yeah. and so you're seeing, you know, different things. And not but, only what you see, but how you see, like in a very different way. Right, yeah. how it moves back through you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the responsibilities you take for that. Mm-hmm. So. You you were here in this place. What was this at, in terms of a timeline? You were you. When did you burn the ships? When was this? Uh, this was three years ago. Okay, so this was at the end of 2015 mm-hmm. that you made this choice. Well, yeah, we it was September. Okay. Oh, it's exactly okay. Yes. Okay. Good. And yeah. so what? Um, so after that shift, after that choice that you both made together, um, how did things start to transform? Well, it was still tough and chaos for a long time. Yeah. Bruce basically moved up here and camped out for months, Mm -hmm. renovating. We had to build the home. We we had had to (laughs) repair the old one. We had to fix that up. You know, it was a lot of just physical labor. Yeah. We had to move... Furniture. There was no spiritual my... ahas. Like no, <laughs> it was it was own. yeah, so, action mode. <clears throat> it was action mode. It was packing up. It was, you know, moving things out of my stepmother's apartment in Philadelphia. Closing, you know, first putting it up yeah. for sale, and then taking little things, and then mm-hmm. taking everything, and not having room, and filling up the attic and the basement, and ending up having stuff. chairs on the front porch. <laughs> and, stuff, yeah. I mean, it was crazy yeah, chaos. chaos. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and she looks like that. <laughs> and, and then <clears throat> it was not until, when, when was it? I moved up here on July 4th, 2016. So it was that whole year making that yeah. transition of, and uh, also I was winding up teaching. I had taught some form of something, yoga, fitness or something, mm-hmm since the very early 80s in Manhattan. So it was, you know, winding up all of that and and just closing up a life. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. and pause, come. like pause. <laughs> you know, do you ever take a moment just to pause and not fill up all the pieces with something? Mm. And, yes. And what really started to happen was that we started to take walks in nature mm. and started to observe. Mm-hmm. Differently and breathe and hang out differently. Well, and once we came up here. Once we were up here. But a bit before we got up here, it was just, we were like digging through a tunnel, you know. We yeah. didn't know where we were. It was just, we, we knew we had to do like it. Your head was down and you were just going. Going, flat, yeah, yeah cre- recreating. And oh, also at that time, I was writing my book. Mm-hmm. So I would get up at six every morning and write for a few hours. And I wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good. That was, that was a good experience for me because it enabled me to tell the story of the last 10 years mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, say, okay, now I have, a, I have a sense of what my work entails. And it was easier for me to leave I needed to do that. You had to unpack it a little bit. I needed to do that. Yeah. 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 And do you, uh, do you have any um, intention of revisiting the book or releasing it? Or was that just a process that you needed to go through? I, I thought, you know, I don't know. Okay. I just don't know yet. Um, yeah. I, I think I got some bad coaching. Mm. My book coach oh, okay. uh, was, was like urging me to frame it in a certain way and and so I ended up doing that because I'm really good at following assignments <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny I see you just like creating your own thing all the time yeah. so that's funny I, I don't see you like the drawing in between the lines you know like coloring like oh this is the assignment let me color in the lines yeah she's she would say yeah. stuff like you know we'll have two chapters to me by thursday and i'm like, okay. okay okay i'll do that <laughs> and and uh, and the i decided i didn't want to publish it yeah. because she wanted me to write all about my clients okay and i felt that uh even though i disguised them a mm-hmm. lot mm-hmm. it felt like it was uh a violation of confidence, oh, yeah, of confidentiality. Um, so then I, so here I have this book. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I do decide to publish it, I'll send the chapters to all of my clients and hmm. ask them if they have a, an objection. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't publish it if I didn't have an okay or I'd leave yeah. out yeah. something, but. So that's where that sits. But the funny thing about the book is that I realized that the work that I was talking about, that I was doing in the yoga context, is the same work we're doing now. Mm. It's just slightly different. Yeah. In what way? Um, It doesn't have a lot of the trappings of yoga. Can you talk more about that? I mean, I feel uh, you, but let's, yeah, if we can share with other people out there. How you, one of the, one of the problems, I have to say that once we moved up here and we started taking these walks in nature yeah. and, and opening our senses differently and wider expansion of our hearing, seeing, smelling, intuiting senses, I realized... Uh, that's our dog snorting. By yeah. The way. I just <laughs> hi there. <laughs> we not say hello to him. Yeah. It's not me snorting. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what I what I saw was that uh, the movements that I had been doing as a, as a teacher, as a as a as a practitioner of yoga, were not my own. Mm. And later on, you know, it's been written about in books about yoga, how it comes really out of Swedish and British calisthenics by way of Iyengar mm-hmm. um, and is not the 4,000-year-old tradition that we've been led to believe it is, I, I started experiencing just things about it that didn't fit on me, didn't feel good in my body anymore. Yeah. I wanted to move in a more organic, serpentine fashion, yeah. and I wanted to develop the 
interior sensitivity to allow the movement that wanted to emerge to come out of me. Mm. And that was very healing. And it also took me back to what I did pre-yoga years ago as a dancer. Yeah. Um, So uh, it began a long process of saying, I I think I'm breaking up with yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And now it's kind of evolved to this place where you know, there's a lot about yoga I love and I will always love. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot about the work that we're doing now that I think yoga could greatly benefit from. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of in need of an update. Yeah. I felt the same way back in the 80s when I started to teach aerobics. Yeah. And everybody was, you know, jumping up and down. Yeah. And I sort of thanked Jane Fonda for that, <laughs> but not for the shin splints. Right. <laughs> you know, but it got everybody moving and in yeah. that. And then the innovation started rolling. Yeah. And that's kind of where I feel yoga is today. Yeah. I definitely believe that, you know, we have these systems, you know, even looking at, class, you know, classical, what we see is classical modern dance, right? Martha Graham and Paul Taylor, you know, they're the, they've created techniques or systems. And mm-hmm. I can, I also look at asana, you know, what we know as the modern yoga is we have these systems, but it's meant to... Hello, bear. <laughs> it's, it's meant to evolve. You know, I think that we get stuck in this, oh, this is the system and this is what it's supposed to do. But really it's, it's suppo- we're supposed to evolve. We're supposed to bring our own experiences to it and our bodies. I mean, we're female bodies, you know, you two, you know, the two of us, but um, working the practice of yoga was for men and for us to actually bring it into our body and experience it as a, instead of a set of rules. Yes. Right. Is, um, that's what I'm experiencing too. And, and I felt the retreat that I did with you both in April, I felt like I was coming home in a lot of ways because myself too, I did a lot of that movement of just rolling on the floor. That was just what I used to do when I was a kid. Right. And it's just very, um, primal um but i don't i don't like the word primal but it's um it's so intuitive it's just natural to me at least i like the word natural yeah and and it's what we do naturally yeah you know it's like we're meant if you look at the early developmental movement of mm-hmm. a baby mm-hmm. the babies are so alive if yeah. you if you hang out on the floor with a baby for 10 minutes and imitate all the facial expressions and all the movements that a baby is doing, you will see movement generating this vitality and life force that that grows you. It grows your brain. It Mm -hmm. grows your body. It grows your your capacities as a mover. Mm -hmm. And, And there is a source of vitality that we can still tap into. Mm-hmm. It's still there yeah. through those kinds of movements. But we revisit them not as, uh, you know, going back and learning how to crawl. Yeah. Um, but there's a way that we can, um, with, our, with our idea to bring consciousness into the body and explore it both on the interior and on an exterior movement level. We can, it, we can reawaken our senses mm-hmm. and revitalize ourselves. And we're not finished growing. We're meant to evolve. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we realize that, then it sort of takes away the ceiling that limits the potential that we think we we have yeah and 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 yoga was used as a way that the yoga that was brought to the west mm-hmm. was used as a way to control mm-hmm. and to limit and certainly the women were taken out yeah and whatever those yoginis brought you know i don't know if it's lost but i can't find it <laughs> today mm-hmm. and even something as simple as Cueing, 
uh, cueing has, there's a subtle uh, lack of respect yes. in telling somebody how to move yeah, or when to breathe. Yeah. I teach a lot of that in the 300 hour of the language and the choice of words that we use to um, invite people to move, right? Mm -hmm. Listen to your breath, listen to your body, right? Instead of a command. Yes. Right. That's what I feel that it's, it's probably maybe like the watching just our Western um, history of like what you're saying in the eighties of it being a very aerobic and, and then, you know, just kind of even you, like your, your past was in the fitness world and, and you had that already kind of imprinted on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that became how you taught yoga too, to a certain extent. Absolutely. And, and now it's, you're, you're evolving in a way of, Oh, let me look at how I'm using my language in yes. a different way. Yeah. I used to think of yoga teachers as advanced aerobic teachers. <laughs> you need to count in eights. <laughs> You need to have a cadence and eights and be able to talk and yeah. phrase yourself. But other than that, you're telling people what to do. Yeah. And you're cueing them to do it and to be prepared for it because they want to do it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's this, this aspect of the Western mind wanting to do things right, wanting to conform, wanting to fit in, wanting to be better at that form and so forth. Yeah. And where yoga really is about... It's really the evolution of the spirit and the evolution of consciousness. And there's no form that's really going to hold that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to actually even think of letting that go, that would be for most people called burn the ships. Mm -hmm. And that's terrifying. Yeah. I need to know what I'm doing. I need to have control of it. I need to get better at it. I need to be able to measure it. And those may not be the right terms of measurement, at least for the advancement of, of our, our, our spirit. And that's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm grateful that lots of people are doing yoga because I do know that you do the exercises and at some point breathing and stretching and so forth opens up meridians, it opens up energy mm -hmm. channels, it opens up chakras and that begins a new exploration. Yeah, it's a door. I always talk, think of it as a different door. Like we all have different doors we come into it mm -hmm. and we're going to get the same benefits even if it was like, oh, I'm going to get really nice ass or whatever. Right? You're you're still going to breathe and you're still going to open up the body and open yourself up to, you know, more of a spiritual life and open your chakras and connect to your subtle body. You're still going to get that even when you walk out with a nice ass. <laughs> um, yes. well, you know, and, but it, it's now taking us into this whole other realm, right? Where you guys are taking us now with um, embodied soul, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah, I guess, could you speak a little bit more, Bruce, maybe on the burning of the ships and how that's scary for people? How how do you guys see what you are doing now as like a, a doorway for people to at least think about burning the ships? Well, one, it, it gives you a direct experience of yourself. Mm -hmm. So if we could start there, mm -hmm. then we have something to start yeah. from. I can't tell you... Uh, I can't tell someone else what their self-evolution is. I can help lead them there and help define what that looks like and the parameters of that and how it changes the focus, how it changes the eyes, how it changes the breath, how it changes the energy in, in the body. It moves, it pulses differently through you. Your awareness of yourself is different. Your perceptions then you can begin to build are different. They open up new parameters. What you do with that, I can't tell you. But I could, you know, keep the focus on... Uh, what's important and what's, and what's happening and that reflection of here and now, mm -hmm. what's, what's really going on, not a scenario about it, but what's really happening now. And in one way, it's extremely simple. And when taken to heart, it's extremely valuable. Because mm -hmm. then if you're going to want to make changes, and, and there's people aching to make changes, mm -hmm. nobody's happy. Mm -hmm. Not on a broad scale. A lot of people yeah. aren't happy. A They're level really, of happiness. Right. Yeah. Self-contentment of, of knowing I'm here and I'm important and I have value. That, that brings happiness and that I can contribute. Mm -hmm. And with that, then there's always this tension. And there's always this self-judgment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a, that's a circle in life. That's where the mind just keeps on circling itself and doesn't know how to uh, grasp a greater sense of self. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting there. Mm -hmm. I think that 
uh, one of the things that we're doing in Embodied Soul is helping people be more alive mm-hmm. and in touch with um, the depth of their being, but also the depth of beingness. And uh, there's a a lot of joy. That's the the big thing that's changed for me. Like when when we do these practices, it's not like, oh, I have to go do this practice now. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I can't wait. I got to carve out time. Yeah. Because I just feel so much happier. There's that, you know, they talk about mudita, self-arising happiness, joy for no reason, mm-hmm. in yoga. And I, I feel good. I have that yoga glow after a yoga class. Mm-hmm. But um, it could go away really fast. Mm. I once had a student come to me and she said, why is it I can have a great yoga class with you and go pick up my dry cleaning and get into this horrible fight with the woman behind the, the dry cleaning desk. <laughs> like nothing has changed. My world is still terrible. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is the recipe for joy, mm-hmm. but I can tell you from my own experience. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm living in the mountains now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just a happier person. That's great. I get joy at, out of just goldenrod chamomile no but in more than that field, i mean that's that's bees. that's yeah. a nature thing <laughs> i yeah. get joy out of seeing how life is working mm-hmm. about seeing like the old guy sitting in the rocking chair downstairs yeah. and knowing that that you know his his daughter is working nearby and he's following a certain pattern in life and you just you see, you see patterns differently, and yeah. you're truly the observer. It sounds like you, you, you know? witness things from a different mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is kind of this joy that you get from the 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 order that manifests in life, mm-hmm. and it's there in the midst of all the chaos. It is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to share about Embodied Soul or your space and where you guys are now? Well, we're opening sometime this fall in yeah. Phoenicia, New York. We, we will have uh, classes, but it's not like a yoga studio with classes all the time. Yeah. We're also really focused on uh, privates and semi-privates mm-hmm. and healing work and workshops and a lot of what we'll be doing will be live stream or online as well because not everybody can come to this tiny town Mm -hmm. um and so that's in the mix and stay tuned for that maybe you'll have a link yeah. On this yeah, podcast. maybe by the time we release this, you'll have more information we'll put up. Yeah. Yes. We're not quite sure of the format, but I do feel that one thing, I, I want to teach longer hours. What's that look like? I want you to come and spend a day with us. Yeah. It's a little, you know, it's a little bit of a tease. Yeah. Because one of the things is it takes the body a while to warm up. Mm-hmm. It takes the body a while to shift its breathing patterns and to begin to allow feelings and neuropeptides to flow differently and to find gateways into how to pulse through the body and move in subtle ways to make space for more energy, i.e. consciousness, to be present so you could have a, a larger field to witness. And so when you come in for an hour and a half class, you kind of like, you got one little cycle. Yeah. But we got something started, but now we have to frame it because your mind doesn't know how to frame it. Yeah. Where it needs to. So let's go frame it in the mind and more experiences and more self-realizations. And so do that for at least three hours or do it for a full day or do it like you guys did for a weekend and a half. And something, you know, mm-hmm. something accumulates from that. Yeah. It's, it's held in the body and it's still living. So. I think about some people, you know, when they say it takes them like a day and a half or something when they're on vacation to unwind. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's so true because your mind is still going, going, and thinking about the agenda, and da-da-da, and and then you realize, oh, wait, my feet are in the sand, and I'm in paradise, and oh, I can breathe differently now. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I like that idea of the 
the day with you and so you are you planning you're kind of playing with that idea of yeah. having a day experience yes so that's really what we would like to yeah uh, have especially if you're traveling like from mm-hmm. the city yeah you know you want to come up and have an, a mini immersion yeah for sure um, you'll feel different mm-hmm. life will look different but that being said we also will be having some you know, regular classes, maybe not even an hour and a half, maybe an well, we, hour and 15 minutes. We designed an 80-minute class. We have, like, yeah. eight different stations. We got the bars. We got the bands. We got the gymnio balls. We it's got like these balls. We got circuit somatic training. We have a, that's exactly what it is. Cirque to somatic. Cirque to somatic. I like it. Yeah. Right. That's See? really cool. <laughs> and that's, that's fun. I could, you know. Anchor around that. I mean, the old aerobics, yeah. right? The yeah. old yeah. structure of yoga yeah. class. And, and then when <laughs> the knows? weather is nice, we want to take people out in nature. Yeah. Because that's really where it's wonderful Definitely. to move. Yeah. You guys did an exercise with my group for the 300 hour last year. Mm-hmm outside and I think still some of the grads are talking about it oh yeah that experience so we had fun that was yeah, good we that had was a the really first great there day in the tensegrity web yeah we, we, exactly yeah, yeah. Well, the web of interconnection yeah oh well, <laughs> thank you both for you know spending time with me and unpacking a little bit more of you know what you've gone through these past few years and um it's been a joy to be a part of it in some way. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really, I, I'm grateful for both of you just oh. being who you are and, and also just sharing these tools with people and awakening them, right. Getting them back in, into their spark, finding their spark again, That's and right. allowing them to be called into their future yeah. selves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. You know, the, the big thing, it, it's really hard to do this in a vacuum Yeah. and change and insights happen in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so if you're struggling on your own, find find some other viewpoint out there. That's a, a living viewpoint. Yeah. But that but one that sees you. Yeah. Not one that wants to project upon you. Oh yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's very true. I've been my personal journey has been that reciprocal energy re- relationship. Oh, it's similar to like yeah. doing doing a form in yoga and yeah. doing a class and doing it really well versus yeah. being seen. Yeah. Maybe you should be rolling on the ground to help yeah. that little glitch rather than trying to stretch it out through some pose that you learn because mm-hmm. they may not quite be complementary. Yeah. One one might not see the other and mm-hmm. without being seen, change isn't going to happen. And so without seeing yourself clearly, the change isn't going to happen. Yeah. If you want. So. That's... um. Uh, non-locality. Non-locality. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Courage it's, and self-love. Yeah. <laughs> In addition to that. Yeah, as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you both again. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Phoebe. Yeah. It's a pleasure. <laughs> All right. So hope you enjoyed that enlightening interview with Elizabeth Andes Bell and Bruce Bell, my teachers and now your teachers. Uh, You can find out more about Elizabeth and Bruce and their new studio up in Phoenicia, New York at their web, their new studio Um, is called Embodied Soul Studio. So you can visit their website at embodiedsoulstudio.com. It's also in the show notes and we'll be back next week with a follow-up with Elizabeth on an exercise I shared of hers. Um, That was, I shared a couple months back. It's called Here and Now I'm Feeling. So you can listen to that now or later. And we'll do a follow-up with her in an interview next week. Have a good one.